0: Hello everybody, welcome to the 18th installment of our Diabetes Pro Tip series. This episode is Diabetes Pro Tip, Bump and Nudge. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, Dexcom, and the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. You may be eligible for an absolutely free meter. Find out more at ContourNextOne.com. And the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, the same CGM that my daughter's been wearing for years, find out about that at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. And of course, the tubeless insulin pump, the end-all be-all of insulin pumps, the Omnipod is available at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And when you get there, you can get a free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to you. Welcome to another edition of our Diabetes Pro Tip episodes. Today, I and Jenny Smith, you know Jenny, from Integrated Diabetes. Jennifer holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She's a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitoring systems. Jenny is absolutely the bestest. She is. If you don't believe me, go back to episode 210 and start over with the Diabetes Pro Tips. Honestly, if you're just finding this series, check out DiabetesProTip.com. You'll be able to see them all. Or, like I said, you can go back to episode 210 right there in your podcast player to get started. These really are designed to be listened to in order. If you're new to this, starting at the 17th episode of the Pro Tip episodes is probably not the way to go. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please also always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. All right, you ready to talk about bumping and nudging? Here we go. So let's start like this. I just put up like the 345th episode of the show, which is mind-bending to me, honestly.
1: What was the first first year first? Because you'd been blogging for a long time before.
0: I blogged yeah. from 2007 consistently until 2015 when the podcast started. And now I have to admit the blog's okay. a little more of a way of me sharing. I don't sit down and write from my heart as much as I used to because right. it's so much easier to do on the podcast yeah. uh, and you reach more people. But I blogged for that many years. The blog was strong. Okay. It was a million, yeah. million and a half clicks a year. One, one, one block of maybe two or three years, I got to like two million clicks, uh, w- which was really big. Um, but then I saw it kind of like trending away. And so in 2015, I started the podcast. Um, and I really thought it was going to be, I guess this is a, maybe a neat place to say this. Uh, I thought I was going to go back and read my most popular blog posts like into this microphone because right. that was my expectation for it. I was like, you know, some of these blog posts are really helpful to people. I'll read them and make them audio. I did that for 20 minutes. One time stopped, deleted the file and was like, this is stupid. You know, yeah. nobody cares about this. Um, and well, I
1: can't say there are some people that would care about that. I've actually got a couple of clients who really, they love the podcast because they're, they're audio. Mm-hmm. And when they read things, it doesn't stick. And so they have to reread and reread. And finally, some of the adults that I've got are like, I just put the book down because right. they're like, I, I can't keep reading. I'm not retaining it. But if I hear it, it's there. It's yep. in my brain. So
0: no, I, I hear that. I, and I should it just felt boring to me. Like, I thought yeah. someone would like it. But I mean, if I'm being honest, I was trying to reach more people, not just, you know, people who would literally be willing to listen to somebody read something dry. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, at least put some music behind it. But can you imagine how funny that would be if I was reading with music behind me? And I was like, this guy's talking about boluses. It would be terrible. Yeah. Um, And then it picked up and picked up. And, And like, you know, but for people who are maybe coming in late to it, after a number of years of the podcast, I started thinking... There's like a real system here. Like I knew that while I was blogging, but when I could hear it, I thought, "Oh no, it's this piece and this piece and these these four or five ideas." And when you bring them together, they're a five-five-a-one-c. Like you just do these things, right. and that's what happens, you know. Um, and I, and I had had you on the show maybe twice, mm-hmm. and I always wanted you to be back. And I thought, she's the best guest I've ever had. Like, I mean, Aww. honestly, you, when, you, when it comes to diabetes, you and I think exactly alike about it from two completely different perspectives, which is right. weird and interesting. It's nice. Right. Yeah. And, and it's nice. And so I was somewhere one day and I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the tenets of the podcast and break them down with Jenny. If she wants to do this, I'm going to get a hold of her and see if she wants to do it. Um, and that was a weird leap for me because until then, my real belief was that if you just listen to all the episodes, you'd hear things come up very kind of organically and they would stick to your brain better because you heard them conversationally. And I was a little scared to do um,
1: just specific bullet, topics. more
0: bulleted specific topics. Yeah. But then I realized I could do it with you. Because we have a rapport. Like I've talked to other people on the podcast and I try to talk to them about stuff and I find I'm stopping and starting and like, I'm like, oh, they're talking over me. I'm talking over them. I can't find a vibe, you know. Um, right. But I knew I had that with you. So I contacted you and you were like, I'll do it. And at the time I was like, it'll be like six or seven, Jenny. <laughs>
1: you <laughs> did more than that.
0: And, and I sent you a little list and you were really great. Like you took the list and you were like, I'd put them in this order. I think they make more sense in this order. And I was like, okay, great. And now I'm going to look. I'm actually going to diabetesprotip.com now because that little idea now has its own website, which is even strange. It's great. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 16. There are 17 pro tips. And this is going to be the 18th one. And then we're going to do Yay. pregnancy and, and we're going to keep going, right? Uh, and it spawned like defining diabetes, which I never thought was a thing that was needed until. This one person sent me a note that said, hey, I wanted to thank you because until I listened to the podcast, I didn't realize I was on MDI. They Mm -hmm. took injections. I remember you told me that. Right? right? And that made me think, wow, do some people really not understand some of the terms we're using? Let's define the terms for them. But simply, not an hour conversation. Right. Right? A little bit. Anyway. And also
1: not a, not a dictionary definition. I think, as I said, you know, before some people get things because they hear it in a different way, or they read it in a different way. And I think the great thing about the podcast too, even with the pro tips part of it is that it's broken down much more like layman's applicable, it's It's not what you get in a typical doctor education clinic.
0: And we did it a couple of times and I was like, damn, this is good. It went so well Mm -hmm. that I was like, give me your address, Jennifer. I am sending you a microphone. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) So it sounds better now, hopefully. Let's go. But
0: but one of the things that we did was bump and nudge. It gets talked about in the episodes, but it doesn't have its own episode. And I always kind of thought that was okay Until in the last year, I looked at algorithm-based pumping and saw how my bumping and nudging was too much. It had gotten Mm -hmm. out of hand and it didn't realize it because it was so easy for us to do that we never looked back at the root cause of why we were bumping and nudging. And so this has been bothering me for like six months now. And I said to Jenny, I need a pro tip episode on this because... Not that bumping and nudging is a bad idea. It's a terrific idea. Right. But you need to understand it more. It's a bigger topic than I thought it was.
1: hmm And I think you really, I think you really, like, realized it when you guys started using the do-it-yourself, right?
0: As soon as day one came
1: we talked and I was like, how much are you using temp basils? Yes. How much are you adding little micro corrections or adjustments or whatnot through the day? And you're like,
0: hmm, I don't know. I never
1: thought about it before. A lot.
0: So, so Jenny's the one who said it to me because we were trying to find, it was such an easy thing. Like you guys would hear me say before, like, I don't know Arden's insulin to carb ratio. doesn't matter to me. I don't know what anything is. None of it matters. Right. I know her basal rate and I know food. I look at food and I see food, but
1: Right. You're like, oh, that looks like five units. Oh, oh that looks like I got to split it up and give some now and a whole bunch later. And- right, right.
0: <laughs> and, and being flexible, which is terrific and important, what I didn't realize it was doing to me, you have to kind of like step back and look at a timeline of months, maybe that did develop into years, is that at some point, you know, meal X took two units at this right. basal rate of whatever it was. And then- it took two and a half and three and three and a half and four, but it happened so slowly I didn't notice. I didn't right. realize that I was now bolusing six units for something I used to bolus four units for. I mean, I did, right. but I never stopped and thought, I wonder how much of this meal insulin is attacking the food and how much of it is staying in our system for hours afterwards and maybe acting as basal. Right. And so I had bumped so much with insulin that I lost track of what Arden's baseline need was. It didn't matter because we were doing so well, but it did matter. And I learned that when I when I said, I don't, this algorithm won't work. This is ridiculous. Her blood sugar's all over the place, right? It's just crazy. And it's right. because I had lost track of how much insulin we were actually using versus how much my setting said we were using. Did, that, did I say right. that clearly? How
1: much was actually needed versus how much you were just intuitively correcting with, right? Right, right. Adding a little bit extra because you needed it, but not really realizing, hmm, in general, I'm always adding extra here. And it probably is a setting issue. It's, and I shouldn't be adding this much more all the time.
0: Right, and it had become such a way of life. Right. I didn't think of it anymore. So now I want to leave that thought here and we're going to come back to it later because I do think that, being fluid around diabetes is incredibly important and that you can't just keep resetting your basal rates every day for all the variables that are gonna come up in your world. And I noticed a long time ago that that idea, that concept is what caused people problems, right? The idea of like, well, I'll go to my doctor, And we'll find a basal rate. And, oh, my doctor was great. They saw between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. we had some highs. So we moved our basal up at 1 a.m. or 1230 a.m. And it worked. But then they started getting low, you know, a couple weeks later. But I just fed the lows for two and a half months and went back to the doctor. The (laughs) doctor moved the basal again. And that's how people... That was considered a successful use of your physician and your insulin, right? It, Correct. It, in, and it probably still is in many people's minds. I saw that and thought, this doesn't work. I don't want to be involved in this. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. This podcast is a—it's uh, partly in place because I don't like the math around diabetes. I don't like the weighting. I don't like the we'll wait and see. I don't, all that stuff makes right. me uncomfortable. Like all the things that you're supposed to do, I just was always like, oh, eh, that seems wrong. Like I don't, I don't want to do that.
1: Within it, I think you also have to say that the technology that we have available today makes it more user friendly for people to learn how to make their own adjustments in the here and now. Um, that might work then for a while and then they make more adjustments. But, you know, years ago without technology, going to the doctor every three months, every six months, like I used to do when I was younger, that, that was the way to make adjustments. Now, could we have taken and done more more data analysis in between the doctor visits? We could have, and my mom actually did. She was like, this isn't working anymore. Let's just, adjust here let's nope you need some more insulin here and I don't I mean I don't think she ever like you know said it like that but her explanation was always like well this was just too high and if it's going to be too high again tomorrow then you're just going to use more insulin for the next meal right right okay mom whatever I'm
0: with you you're cooking right so it's good with me you seem to care so I'm gonna go with you (laughs)
1: well well,
0: uh, another issue in the space of people talking about diabetes in the past. It's kind of it's a number of folds, but one of them is is that nobody ever wants to say too much, right? They're always like worried that they'll say something and it won't apply to the third person that hears it. And right. I I so that was part of what the pro tips were for was to take information down to a point where you know what this really does apply to everyone. Like not mm-hmm. saying things that only worked for you or me or noticing that my daughter needed something different after she started getting her period than she did before and taking the time to talk through those differences where writing about it is hard because you write something right. down. It's static. You know, I write right. a blog post around about my nine-year-old daughter. If somebody reads it. It now feels like a rule. I don't right. spend time. Philosoph- With my
1: nine-year-old child, this right. is going to be the applicable method that I use.
0: And you don't yeah. take time to philosophize out that. I bet you this will be different when she's 15. And, but you just writing doesn't right. work that way, but you can conversate that way. And so a lot of people in the past who were impacting the diabetes space were parents of younger children who until your child gets older, you don't realize you think this is diabetes, but this is diabetes in a kid that's not, I don't know, like coursing with hormones or growing as much as you think, or... As active as you believe they are, like you know, like when you're eight, right. you're like, "Oh, my kid plays baseball." Like, yeah, okay. Wait till your kid really plays baseball. Like, like right. wait, wait till they weigh two hundred pounds and they're flying around. It's one hundred and ten degrees outside and they're throwing things through walls. Like, it it's an impact on your body. Wait are your kids playing ice hockey as a high schooler. Like, you know what I mean? Like. Wait, right. And they've got practice happens. from
1: six until eight in the morning and they've got practice again from, you know, right. four until eight, six o'clock at night. I mean, sometimes those practices, I'm amazed with the kids that I work with their parents are like, well, she's got tennis for, you know, from six o'clock until seven 30. And then she goes off to school and then she's got another practice from four <laughs> until six. And I'm like, like, seriously, I'm yeah. like, I'm I'm like she's a tennis pro or
0: right. what? <laughs> you know, like. that's how you make uh, a tennis pro. Um, 1 in a million times the other 990,000 times is how you make a kid who hates tennis eventually. Right.
1: <laughs> so, right, exactly. <laughs>
0: but but so these people were doing great stuff and they were talking about these these ideas but they didn't realize how specific they were to the age group they were talking about. And right. and I think that that's why this longer conversation and why I mentioned how long the podcast has been up has been important because in my heart as crazy as it sounds I think if you want to have great success with your type one diabetes, you go back to episode one and you listen through because you'll take a journey through somebody who's talking about a kid with a nine or 10 year old body that, you know, you actually can hear in this podcast, Arden get older, Arden grow, Arden have problems, her start to get her period changing devices, meters, like all the way through. And, And I know it sounds crazy, but in, you know, 347 hours as of today, I think when it's over, you'll go, Whoo, okay. And then your kid's just gonna have an A1C in the fives. It like, or if you want it to be, or maybe you you'll make an adjustment and it'll be in the sixes. Right. It also works for adults. And that was that was really cool. I hadn't had that like greater expectation. I thought it would, but I didn't have a lot of a lot of adults weren't reading me as a blogger. You know what I mean? Um, there were some, but there weren't a lot. Anyway, at some point, I recognized that well, that was really long-winded, but I guess the people listening, listen, uh, I guess they're, they're
1: used, to that. They're used they know. to that
0: at this point, but it's a very long way of saying that you can't just set your basal rates up, set up your insulin to carb ratios and go with, that's what the pump told me. And that's what the doctor told me to put in the pump, right? because things are going to change sometimes day to day sometimes hour to hour, activity to activity. There are going to be too many variables and you can't stop every time. Like imagine if I had to get up tomorrow and go, today is going to be a sedentary day. I will now go fix all of my basal rates for sedentary and change my insulin to carb ratio for sedentary. By the way, do you realize that that could end up for some people meaning more and for some people meaning less? It could end up meaning less for basal and more for insulin to carb or vice, depending who you are and what you eat. And so when all that exists, what ends up happening to people is they just go, oh, today was a good day. Today was a bad day. Yeah. Right? They leave the settings and then they have good days and bad days. And what I thought was, If we stay fluid enough, you can almost be ahead of what's happening and make these adjustments. Okay. Right. All right. That's a long, long explanation. But to me, that's what led me to bumping and nudging. Now, for context, while Jenny and I are talking about it, I think of bumping as using insulin, bumping your blood sugar down. And I think of nudging as nudging your blood sugar up with carbs. Jenny thinks of it the exact opposite way. (laughs) So... Don't get confused if one of us says one thing and one of us says the other. But in the end, the idea is to um, keep yourself between these smaller parameters, yes. right? A yes. range, a smaller range.
1: And the uh, range is defined by you.
0: Right. right. It doesn't matter to me what range you choose. Right.
1: It's it's your chosen range, but the idea is to use food and, and insulin in a good advantage um, in both directions so that you can stay within that target. Right.
0: And so, some of the things I learned as I went, I wish people could
1: see us, by the holding way. Our hands I, would, I was like, making air quotes around good and bad. <laughs> right. And
0: probably just like, oh my God, you keep saying that out loud, and someone's going to ask you to turn this into a YouTube thing, and then we're going to be on camera, and neither of no. us are going to be happy about that because you're going to have to hang up that stuff behind you, and I'm going to have to get a haircut. Right. so,
1: right. <laughs> Which, by the way, is just like bags, and you oh. know, it's not random strangeness. It's like bags and like coats. That's it Jenny On is, my door.
0: Jenny is now apologizing for something you can't see. That's that is very Midwest of you, by the way. You're like, oh, it's it's not a clutter. We're, we're it's nice it's, it's, people. It's a very important thing where the children hang their bags. <laughs>
1: so. it is the easiest for them to get to. All right,
0: Jenny, we're off topic now. Um yes. So. Anyway, so I'm going to do a little thing here and please jump in whenever you want. In my mind, I take the, I guess I should first say that I understand this would be more difficult without a continuous glucose monitor. I really do. Um, What I'm saying would be harder. You could do it. I still think you could do it. You'd have to do it a little less aggressively probably, and you'd be testing more. But but what in my mind, what I see is that graph that goes along my daughter's Dexcom has a high line and a low line. And I take those lines from running, oh my God, which way is this? Is this parallel to the ground? Yeah. It is, right? I, Correct, geez, is, wow, yes. Yeah, I was asleep a lot in high school. None of you <laughs> should be listening to this podcast, just so you know. So I take those two lines that are spaced apart evenly that run parallel to the ground, and I flip them up on their end. So they're, so they're run- vertical. So they're running vertical in my mind. And now they are a video game to me. They're like driving, right? There are, it's a football field. I, I don't want to run out of bounds on the left or, or on the right. That's all it is to me. There's in play and out of play. So when I describe it in like talks, I discuss that like driving is interesting because it's um you make a lot of imperceivable moves when you're driving that if you jerk the wheel around, you swerve and you don't want to do that. So as you notice yourself approaching, a you know, the shoulder, you just turn the wheel back a tiny little bit and you come back into toe again, right? Like you're, you're, it comes back. Same thing with, you know, if you're going to cross into the other lane, you just come back a little bit. You don't jerk the wheel around because if you jerk the wheel around, you end up in the, in the ditch or in the other lane Or you end up with much higher or lower blood sugars than you mean. Right. So I bump myself back. I bump, you know, I nudge back. I I use that insulin to help Arden stay in range. Um, The problem that comes with jerking the wheel is that once you're in the ditch, you have to overcorrect again. And then you're on the roller coaster, right? Now I've said roller coaster, which now takes the graph back to being, you know, the way it belongs in your mind for a second, not vertically, but you're up and you're down and you're just overcorrecting the whole way with food, with insulin, and you get the timing of the insulin so far off that some people it doesn't stop. It goes, right. it goes into and overnight. you just keep, your,
1: keep going that way. Yeah, yeah, for
0: for, for not just for a day, for weeks and months and lifetimes of just that's what my blood sugar does it bounces up and down and people say that and it's heartbreaking to me i'm like no just turn the wheel a little less like right like it's it's, it's okay i understand how it happens and i think there are ways out of it so i want to talk about Mm -hmm. some functional ways out of it um i guess people should understand the difference between a falling and a drifting blood sugar so why don't you talk about that for a second
1: yeah, drifting is slow and dropping is fast. I think that's the easiest way. Drifting down and or even drifting up happens gradually over time. So again, if you're using a continuous monitor of any kind, you'll see this slow continual change in blood sugar, little little nudges kind of happening over the course of time. And since On all CGMs, each of those little dots on your graph represents about five minutes. Each little drift up or down could be a change in glucose over a a five-minute time period, right? Yeah. So drifting being slower means you have more time to implement a change right now that could also be a smaller change than having to make drastic adjustments with food or insulin. When you're dropping or rapidly rising, kind of the opposite, that requires more, whether it's more insulin or more food, it requires more because the change is happening very quickly now. And usually I see drifts happening either with a horizontal arrow on yeah. your cgm or you might get that slight angled arrow either down or up that's i consider those drifts yeah i consider drops or rapid rises when you've got arrows pointing straight up or or straight down that's fast right. so you need to do something now <laughs>
0: right. and so to start with lows uh, if you're 75 straight down on a dexcom that could mean two or three points Per minute? Is that right? So every five minute change you could go, you could end up moving fifteen up to fifteen points or something like that. I don't hold me to that, but fast is the point. Correct. So yeah, y- you don't like, you know, when you're when you're 80 straight down, you don't say, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna do a temp basil off for a half an hour here. That's <laughs> no. not going to work. And there's reasons no. prior in the diabetes pro tip episodes. Seriously, listen to them in order that will make sense to as why. Well. But if you're just drifting down, one of those situations where it's noon and you're 100 and then it's 12, 15 and you're 95 and you just got this little drift happening, you could possibly be at the end of a bolus that ended up being a little too strong, right? And maybe there's, you know, an imperceivable amount of insulin left in there, a quarter of a unit, a half a unit, depending on your size. Maybe it's two units if you're an adult, Right. And Mm -hmm. if you take away your basal insulin right there, it's possible that you can trade that extra bolus that's left and create what I sometimes talk about as like a a black hole of basal, right? right? So keeping in mind that everything you do with your insulin now is for later because insulin doesn't work immediately. um, Like what if at noon when you started to see that drift down, you took some basal away and that created a level? So now – the end of that too strong bolus was acting as your basil and your basil wasn't there. But keeping in mind, if you shut your basil off at noon, it's not going to probably start impacting you for
1: until at least one o'clock.
0: Yeah. Right. For a while. But at the same time, you were only drifting anyway. It was probably going to take you an hour to get from 100 to 60, where you'd then be drinking a juice. But instead, as you're hitting that 70 mark, you're all of a sudden into the time frame where there's no basal insulin, and you just right. level out now it doesn't always work. I've done it and thought I'm a genius, and I've done it and thought, oh, I missed that like but trial and error will teach you because there are a lot of different situations. and I think
1: some some visual into that, too, as you said, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it, it didn't quite hit the mark, but you weren't necessarily wrong mm-hmm. to take the basil away. I think especially, again, with the technology that we have today, not only can you see the drift, but if you are somebody who's using an insulin pump, you also have the visibility of insulin on board. Right. So if you have an idea how much insulin is left, like you said, an earlier bolus, uh, maybe you were a little heavy handed in it, or it was just, you know, too much because you haven't quite figured out your ratios, or maybe it was, you know, a guesstimate completely or whatever it Mm -hmm. was, you still have some insulin on board. If you have an idea of where your basal is right now, and you know how much insulin is on board, taking basal away could substitute for some of the IOB that's left yeah. absolutely and like you said it could nicely smooth things out and you just drift into a stable blood sugar that might work if you've got IOB of one and your basal rate at that point is like 0. 0.8 or 0. 0.9 or even one 1.1 right. that could absolutely smooth out if you've got three units of IOB and your basal is at 0. 0.5 not gonna taking help a half unit away it, yeah. it's gonna help a little but it, you're still gonna act gonna to get the supplement. result.
0: Correct. I, I, so in my mind's eye. All right, we're going to do it quick. The contour next one, blood glucose meter is the finest blood glucose meter I've ever used with my daughter. It is small, but it fits in your hand nicely. It's easy to read during the night or during the day. It has a bright light for when you're checking blood sugars at night. And the blood test strips allow you to go back in to get a little more blood if you miss the first time. All these things together coupled with the fantastic accuracy of this meter, make it my choice as the best blood glucose meter out there. Go to contournextone.com right now to find out if you're eligible for a free meter. And if not, meters aren't that expensive. Just ask your doctor. Say something like, uh, hey, I've been using this old janky meter forever. I want to get a Contour Next One." And I bet you that'll be about as much effort as you have to put into it. All right. What's next Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor is what's next. See the direction and speed of your blood sugar at a glance right there on your iPhone or Android. Share a loved one's blood sugars, those same numbers, directions and speeds with up to 10 people. That means that if your child has type 1 diabetes or you do, you can share your blood sugars and the alarms and everything that goes with it with up to 10 loved ones. The magic of the internet. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more. This is an indispensable tool. You hear me talk about it all the time. If you don't have a Dexcom, today is the day to find out if you can, if you should, if you will. And you can, and you should, and you will. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox myomnipodcom forward slash juice box will offer you a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod right there. Come right to your house. That's an insulin pump demonstration that you can wear. Try on, see what you think in the comfort of your own home. After that, you decide, I want this Omnipod thing. You contact them back and you're like, yo, 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 let's do it. And you move forward where you don't want it. They don't bother you. It's no big deal, right? They're not going to, they're not going to, You know what I'm saying? They're not going to shake you down. They're not going to be like, come on, we sent you a demo. They're not like that. They just want you to have the demo. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But you be the judge. And you can be that judge by going to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. There are also links in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Please support the sponsors. And now back to bumping and nudging. In my mind's eye, years ago, I used to think of um, uh, scales. So think of like a, the scales of justice where each side has this big dish and you could, you know, pile gold, weight, you know, right? and so think of insulin on one side and carbs on the other or weight, the weight of your blood sugar on the other, and you can kind of, imagine yourself throwing in a little on one dish and going, Oh, that was too heavy and taking a little out and, you know, we're taking some right. out. Like that's how I think of insulin, like put mm-hmm. a little in, take a little out, um, you know, and then, you know, I say a lot on the podcast and that I think we talk too much just about how insulin impacts the number. And there's so many other things to think about how food impacts insulin, right? Like, like you'll hear me tell a story about like creating a, a drop, and then catching it with food. And to me, that's how the food impacts the insulin. And it's just, there's, it's a weird thing, but there's a lot of different ways to think about what's going on, that little game that's going on in your body between, you know, the sugar that's in your blood or that's going to be in your blood or the food that's gonna put the sugar there and the insulin that's trying to take it out again. Right. Um, So anyway, you can bump with a temp basil, right? It just is like to take it away, like Jenny and I have explained. Also, the same goes for going up. If you see, um, you know, a 90 that turns into a 95 that turns into 100, it's going to be one of those slow drifts up. There's nothing worse than that, in my opinion. I always think of it as the um, the mountain climber on The Price is Right, that game, right. because every time you're like, it's going to stop. There's no way that guy's falling off the end. They're going to figure this out. Like, and it just totally, and it just goes on forever, right? And then that little guy just plops off the end, and then Drew Carey, takes your money back from you and you're screwed and you walk away, right? So like you see this 90 blood sugar that's drifting up. Two hours later, it's 250. And you think,
1: right.
0: I, oh, why didn't I How do did something? This- yeah, yeah, like right. I should have done something, you know. Um, maybe that's a temp basal increase. Maybe it's a bolus. But right. all all I know is that a 120 or a one, you know, whatever, wherever you decide to be diagonal up can be brought back to a stable 90 with far less insulin than it will take to address the 250 two hours later. Correct. And when you're only using small bumps of insulin, you're very less likely to cause a low. And right. so when you see that 120, to me that's you approaching you know the the, the line on the side of the road And you just want to come back almost an imperceivable amount with the wheel or the tiniest bit of insulin to bring it back in line. Now, I have done this with my daughter for years with an amazing amount of success. And I've seen people, scores of people who listen to this podcast do it too. Um, Mm -hmm. And it it works. It, It really does. But the idea is that you're not always going to get your bolus right. You're not always going to have the right amount of basil going for your specific situation that's happening right then and there. Correct. Wow. I'm more clear when you're with me. uh, That's (laughs) weird. weird. Don't tell your husband that.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, and too, if you wanted wanted to add some definition to like, people always ask, well, how much? How much? When I start to see this drift, how much should I add? Well, You know, one, again, everybody's physiology is a bit different, your sensitivity to insulin. So a 0.1 might be what works for you. A 0.7 might be what needs to be in, you know, somebody else's case. But I think if you give definition to direction of blood sugar, again, using today's technology beneficially, and you mentioned before, kind of the directional arrows and what that indicates as far as a drift up or a drift down, how much is happening. If you're wondering how much to add with insulin, when you do start to see a drift up, the angled arrow is really kind of a rate of change of about one to two points per minute. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you're aiming to see, okay, I'm at 90, I'm not done anything. And now my blood sugar, it looks like it's starting to come up. I don't know why, but it's happening. If you experience, you know, experience that a 90 with a angled arrow up one to two points per minute in the next 30 minutes, if you do nothing, your blood sugar could be 30 to 60 points higher, right? right? So if you use that to your advantage and you say, okay, I could be on the low end, 30 points higher, it could be one at 120. I kind of know what I would use to offset, you know, a 50 point rise in my blood sugar. Maybe I need to just add a little bit like 0.2. Or maybe I need to take a 0.5 extra. You know, that's kind of a way that's a little bit more, if you're the math person, right, may help you to get a little bit more precise and not worry about then ending up on the downdrift later. And, and if
0: you're me, what you do is you try something and then the next time you try something different if that didn't work. right, right. Less
1: Which, or more. Yes, just right.
0: more or less, whatever, try. And it's important to remember that it's not, you're not going to get it right the first time. And even if you do get it right the first time, the variables may change the second time. It becomes an art. Like it really does. Like just knowing how much to push just a little bit. Like, you you know, you squeeze too tight and it's too much. You're not enough and you let go. And, And using Jenny's example right there and flipping it to getting lower, you don't always need the whole juice box. You don't always need Every piece of candy in the package. Sometimes you can nudge with food, right? And I know that 15 carbs, 15 minutes is the rule of thumb. But if you're using a CGM, you can see it better. You don't have to. 15 carbs, 15 minutes is when people are blind to what their blood sugar is and they're trying to stop themselves from having a seizure. That's important. I'm not saying no, okay? And I'm not telling you not to do it. Um, But I'm telling you that if you do it, and find yourself to be three hundred later. You didn't need all fifteen carbs, right? And right. by the way, if you do get into a panicky situation and you've got to just hork in carbs, I'm not going to tell you to not do it. What I am going to tell you is that when you when the dust settles, you need to figure out how much insulin you've got to bolus for that food you just took. Correct. Right. Right. Like maybe not for all of it, but some of it's going to need insulin. You have to stop the bouncing you got to make sure you can't get on that roller coaster like don't right. get on it it's maddening and the only way off of that roller coaster by the way in my opinion is you stop taking in carbs and you get back to level again like right. like i can listen i can knock Arden off that roller coaster while she's still eating but that is a ninja level event <laughs> like like you need to be really good at that to stop yeah. to stop a roller coaster In between food. And you'll get And it takes
1: understanding sensitivity. Right. You very well know, and I'm sure Arden does as well, you guys know her sensitivity and you've paid enough attention to say, okay, we need this much right now because of all of these other variables in the picture, or you need this much less right now or whatnot. And you do get to that level when you start to pay enough attention, you know, to your personal sensitivity and the precision that you need. 100%. Um, I I think, you know, the 15 and 15 is age old. I mean, that's what I started with 32 years ago Mm -hmm. is 15 and 15. And we didn't have the visibility of blood sugar changes at that point. We didn't. Or even just Um, a
0: meter, by the way, that only takes a tiny drop of blood and isn't. And and this beautiful lance that, you know, it doesn't hurt that badly while you're doing it. You were stabbing yourself with a sword and dumping insulin into a, or dumping your blood yes. into a we, box, you know, waiting. We for kind it of
1: <laughs> called it the guillotine. It was like this big old drum that like hammered down on your finger. And Good. like, I would like, I would like inch my finger like slightly away from like the little underneath platform from where it like jabbed my finger. I would like just hold it back. So it didn't quite jab it. <laughs> that was my like adjustment to the lancet depth, right. right? That was the only adjustment I had at that point. But I mean, a point being really that, you have some tools now that allow you a lot more precision in how you bump and nudge. You do. And with smart tools today too, I think this is a good place to mention it is with our, with our smart hybrid closed loop systems that are on the market today, that adjustment with carb, the 15 and 15 is a hundred percent too much. 100% too much. With most of these systems on the market today, when you're adding a little bit of carbohydrate, we're talking like a little bit of carb because the system has already been helping you Mm -hmm. coming into this drop in blood sugar. So 15 grams, 100% is going to be way too much. You might need Two or three skittles, which is like two or three grams of carb, you might need half of a glucose tablet. you might need a quarter of a juice juice box, so yeah
0: well, you know what I want to go a little deeper into this like faster rises and falls you see people online every once in a while it's very common actually um, they're injecting and they all put in the measurement for their slow acting insulin as fast acting by mistake. Like, oh, I take, like, you'll see an adult, like I take 20 units of Lantus every day and I just gave myself 20 units of Novolog, and they're online. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I'm just like, just figure out how many carbs that takes and eat them. Like that makes sense to me, right? And and give that a try. So say you do that, not that, but say you have a meal that really needed five units and for some reason you thought seven. And the next thing you know, 40 minutes later, there's an arrow down on your CGM. You're falling fast. You need to eat the carbs to stop that. So it's a much bigger nudge, right? It's more like a nudge with a sledgehammer now. And you need to eat the carbs to stop that. In the same thought process, if you miss greatly with that insulin, it should have been seven and you use five and 30 minutes later, your two arrows straight up, I don't mess around there. Like I no. am stopping those arrows, right? And you think, well, okay, say, I don't know, say it was literally like a mistake. You meant to do seven and you did five. So you think, like, oh, okay, two units. That two units isn't going to do it anymore because you have all this momentum, right? Like there's this momentum. You have to stop the momentum. You've got a higher number than you thought about when you decided on the insulin the first time. There's a lot to think about. There's the number, the momentum, and getting you back without making you low. There are times that I'll take what I think the amount is that's going to stop the arrows plus the amount that's going to change the number back to where I want it to be. And I realize if I give her this insulin right now, she's going to end up low later. Mm -hmm. But I still give it to her. And then... There's a moment where I take the basal away.
1: Away. Right. right.
0: To try to do what I mentioned earlier, eat up that extra. So I needed all that force from that insulin up front because of this situation we're in. But I don't need the tail of it later. But the tail's going to be there. So what if I took her basal away so that it wasn't basal plus the tail? Right. And so I get the benefit of the oomph up front without the kick in the pants of what comes later. Right. 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 that's another way to think of bumping and nudging in, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. So um, there's a and lot. And it takes here.
1: learning the tools. It takes learning the tools to use, you know, things like um, people who are using MDI or multiple daily injections. It, it becomes harder because you can't take basil away yes. once it's injected. It's there. So if you are heavy handed with a correction, because you really want that double arrow to stop you're going to be you eating. have to be you have to be ready on the back end with carbs to stop the right drop you through. want
0: to do you want to know what a, a pump does that multiple mdi doesn't do it uh, stops you from having to take a bunch of injections it allows you to do temporary basal increases decreases extended boluses uh that's it and you know you, you don't have to carry pens with you and right wonder if your insulin is getting warm while you're at the water park like like that's <laughs> That's that's it. I mean, I think to me, it sounds like a very little bit, but it's a lot if you're mm-hmm. going to be reactive like this and stay flexible and, and things like that. Um, I'm not right. saying you can't do it with injections. I know plenty of people who do. Yeah. They very commonly are adults or, you know, kids who just don't care about the injections because there's going to be a moment when you're going to put in a little insulin and realize it's not enough and have to put in a little more. And now that's two needles, you know, instead of two pushes of a button. Um, yeah. I think that- Or certain
1: kinds of food, which we've talked about in other episodes, right. needing a pump to cover differently over a longer period of time with a with an injection. You can't do that unless you're willing to just take more injections yeah. with more insulin.
0: So now here's the next thing about bumping and nudging. You get what you expect. A little bit. And and I wanna just before I tell you about that, I wanna tell you that what Jenny just said shouldn't have been glossed over. There's other parts to this. I'm talking about bumping and nudging within a fairly perfect system, meaning I have my daughter's basil well in hand. I'm not that far off with her meal boluses if I if miss. Like right. we're not just like running around with our hair on fire going like ah, you know, like it was and, and I do, just
1: here, feed here, give more here, yes, <laughs> take it that away. That would be
0: insane. <laughs> I, and I do mean this without sounding like I'm trying to pimp the, the the content. If you go back and start at the beginning of the pro tips, or if you want to power listen, to, by the way, those of you who start at the beginning of the podcast and listen right through, you have my respect. I I thank you very much um, because it's why the downloads are so good. And I, it really helps me. So thank you very much. But at least go back to the pro tips and listen through because then you'll get to a point where bumping and nudging really is a good tool, but,
1: but it doesn't happen not hundred percent of the time. It's not
0: always going to work. Right, right. Like there are going to be times where it doesn't work. And it happened to me last night with Chinese food. So we came out of a pump change and went right into Chinese food, which just shows my arrogance really, (laughs) because I was like, this won't be a problem. Uh, But what I didn't take into account is that for the past 72 hours, Arden has just needed more insulin. Like, there are foods that don't make Arden spike that are making her spike for the last three days. I don't know why. It's not important why. It's just happening. You know, like, like soup. She's having, like, a clam chowder out of a can, and I can't get her under, like, 250, like, 45 minutes later. Like, I'm like, what's happening, you know? Um, and it'll go away, because the day before this started, her blood sugar was, like, 85 for 17 hours in a row. So, you know, it it'll... It'll cycle through. We'll figure it out. Maybe it'll end up being uh, a variable that needs adjusting. I don't think it will be, but I'll see. But that's not the point. The point is we came from a pod change right into Chinese food. And boy, did it, that. I did not do well with that. And so I want to first tell you that when I say, oh, my God, I did not do well with that. What I mean is her blood sugar was between like 175 and 210 for a number of hours afterwards. I know you're thinking, shut up. I would love that.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah, people right? people yeah. are like
0: really that's your complaint. It's not a complaint. It's just I missed, right? Right. And there was a time, 5 hours honestly, where she needed I I ballasted a bunch of times and I never once got it right. I was never strong enough with it. Um and I have to admit it was because I was tired and I didn't want to be up all night. So I just I Aired a little on the side of caution, not a lot. And, um, and I kept pushing. So, but I did not cause her to get low afterwards, which was,
1: a, which is a win. A,
0: it felt like that to me. And I'll tell you yeah. why. And I want to put this in this episode too. So very recently I wore the Dexcom Pro continuous glucose monitor. And I um, was very happy to find out that I am apparently not pre-diabetic, as I was texting Jenny, as I was putting on, I'm like, you know, this. I'm going to find out I have type 2 diabetes, right? Like, I'm like, you know. Uh, (laughs) I was very happy that I didn't. Um, Obviously, I was grateful. But I got to see what a pancreas does when it's doing what it's supposed to do. And I have to tell you that there is nothing I ate, no matter how low glycemic or high glycemic, that got my blood sugar over I mean, I told Jenny I had to eat two pieces of cake to get my blood sugar to like 135, 140 one time, right? Right. But as I look back over the day, my standard deviation was like 11. You know, my, my average blood sugar was, I don't know, like 90 or 80 or something, 85 or 90, right? But I still went up a little gracefully, 120 most of the time, back down again. You know, that happened when I ate and I had already changed my mind about my expectations for Arden um, over the last couple of years. And you guys have heard me loosen up on the idea of like stopping every spike. Like, like I don't, I'm not a flatline person. I don't feel like my daughter's blood sugar needs to be a flatline. I do believe that she has type one diabetes and that letting a flatline get away from you turns into a disaster that takes way too long to fix, which is why all this is important. But I don't care if she eats and her blood sugar goes up to 120, 130, and comes back down again. I think that's fine as long as she's not low on the other side. I start getting a little hinky over 140 in my heart. I'm a little like, eh, that's too much. You know, um, and it's not to say I wouldn't try to stop a 120 if I thought I had the answer to it. Um, but I don't know. It just it seems important for me to tell you that. If your pancreas is working, your blood sugar is not always 85. It, you know, it, it just isn't. So be a little easy on yourself. Have good expectations. But understand that my daughter, you, your kid, Jenny, you don't have the mechanism to just – it isn't just going to put the brakes on for you. So that's why you can't – you know, I, I say you, you never get high if you don't get high. That's sort of what I mean by that. Like stop the arrows. Stop it before it starts, Right. Um,
1: well, into this kind of uh, experience that you had, too, I think one of the funny texts that, that I got sorry. from you was relative to pre-bolus.
0: Yeah, I was right? like, I find you, you myself wanting to pre like,
1: I pre-bolus better than my own prank pre-boluses, <laughs> I think, is what your text was, because you had seen a difference in what you had done for the same meal for Arden with her pre-bolus yes. versus what your own pancreas was doing. And I think you said something like, I wish I could get my pancreas to pre-bolus. And I was <laughs> like, well, your pancreas kind of does actually do that. The The working pancreas body kind of does do this like pre-bolus bolus right
0: right? so jenny's tried to explain to me i got if this is true she said that sometimes when you smell food or you get hungry your body anticipates that your blood sugar is going to go up and and gets a little working on things prior Correct. that's really cool but what she's pointing out and i am a little embarrassed is that after a couple of days i would look at Like, I'd be cooking, and I would think to myself, like, I'd be rubbing my stomach wherever I thought my pancreas was. You know, I don't even know. And so I was just like, man, now. Do it now, brother. We're about to have pasta. Like, go, you know? Um, But no, Jenny's not wrong, and I'm not bragging. I was better at stopping spikes with Arden than my body was for me. And I was really, like, comforted by that. You know, I was like, wow, Mm -hmm. this – on that podcast really works. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and I was, I was just really, I was really thrilled, you know, I was like, wow, I, I, because it felt like it wasn't overkill. Do you know what I mean by that? Like I thought, Oh, I'm right. not taking this too seriously. I'm taking this the no. right amount of serious. Right. And it, it just really was, it was a, it was a great experience. I want to thank Dexcom for letting me wear the pro. Um, and, uh, it was really nice. I was the only that, that was only worn by um, national media outlet people mm-hmm. and me. And I was very grateful and I really appreciate that Dexcom appreciates the podcast um, and sees it as uh, uh, what it is. Benefit. Yeah, yeah. Not, 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 I'm just not a guy with a podcast. Like I, I was like, wow, they really like, I don't know it made me feel good. Anyway. Um, point is the last point, I guess of all this is, is that bumping and nudging is terrific? It's great while you're learning things, uh, while you're learning about how to bolus for meals, while you're learning about activities, you know, all that stuff's great, but it's not a long-term everyday solution. And Correct. I didn't recognize that people wouldn't translate out of it eventually, like just go, like, oh, okay, I'm do- it didn't happen to me. You know, I said it at the beginning. I didn't realize it wasn't happening to me. And then finally, and again, I have to thank the people listening because we started the private Facebook group, which I'm not particularly active in, but see every day I started watching. And this is when I said to Jenny, I need a pro tip on pumping and nudging. I was like, Oh my God, these people are doing this all the time, like constantly. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's not for constantly. And so here we are. Um, so, if you heard us do defining diabetes bump and nudge, which literally just came out last week, um, I said in there what I didn't realize about bumping and nudging when I started doing it was that it's as much of a diagnostic tool as it is, you know, yes. a tool for keeping your blood sugars in order. Correct. So, Jenny, when you start seeing yourself bumping and nudging too much, what should you be doing?
1: Then you should be going back. Personally, what I do, and with the people that I work with, what I do in in data analysis is I look at a cumulative and I say, over the course of this time, whether it's a week or three days or two months or whatever we want to look at together, we can say, well, goodness, we've had a lot more use of temp basals that are not specific to like activity reason or a food-based reason, like you always eat Friday night pizza or whatever it is, and you need that kind of a tool for, but goodness, we're having, there's a lot of corrections happening after meals all the time, or there's a lot of, you know, you're using temp basils to cut off insulin all the time. If that's happening, and while it might be proving to give you the results that you want. There's a bigger picture. there saying there's either not enough insulin for some reason now. So we need more in the basil, or we need to add a change to the year ratios so that you do get more a robust type of bolus for food. And then you shouldn't have to follow it so heavily after and adjust with extra insulin all the time. Right. So that becomes looking at information and saying, hmm, for whatever reason I just need more basil now let's pop it into place for whatever reason my ratios look like they're not covering well or they're covering too much let's take some away let's add some in and let's make sure that I'm not bumping and nudging now a hundred percent of the day because that shouldn't be the case right right You shouldn't have to work that hard essentially yeah
0: the, one of the I think one of the benefits of the podcast is that it eventually should make the management of diabetes, simpler and less impactful on your your moment to moment you shouldn't constantly be like okay a little more a little less a little more like that's you know algorithms do that but you shouldn't have to do that right if you find yourself doing it look back and and just try to separate a variable from a constant and and address the constants and keep bumping the variables That's, that's all it gets that easy. I took me a while to figure it out. And that's why I'm here saying it to you because I thought, oh gosh, what if people don't figure it out? Like I I started having this horror in my head that people would just be like, bumping
1: blood sugars have, for the I've rest this of their all the time. Lives. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No big I'm gonna be deal. following my child until they're fifty and I'll be eighty nine and you know, <laughs> what's happening to their blood sugar picture
0: people in my head that haven't seen the sun in three years with their hair all wired <laughs> like they've been electrocuted <laughs> and they're like, My kid's blah, my kid's A one C is five point five, their blood sugar hasn't gone over one ten in six years. I'm fine. <laughs> like, you know like, <laughs> right? please don't be like that. <laughs>
1: like please no.
0: uh, oh my god, it would break my heart if that's what's happening to you. And don't get me wrong by the way, in the beginning while you're starting to figure it out, you may be a little like that. That is what it back. feels like. <laughs>
1: yes. That is what it feels you like. You should
0: be able to get past that. Um, right. And I hope this has been helpful. Did we miss anything, Jenny? Because you guys don't – you really – everyone listening should should just take a second to realize that Jenny and I don't have any notes in front of us. Like, we're not working no. off a list. And no. I still think we got in the time frame through everything I wanted to say. Do you feel like yes, that?
1: Yes. Absolutely we did a good job somebody
0: should ring a bell or I'm going to spike a football (laughs) when I'm done this that's right (laughs) I want to say this is something I was going to say later when I was editing it together but I want to say it with Jenny here instead I appreciate that the people listening care about this like I really do like I I think it's wonderful that you all want better or easier or simpler and aren't just throwing up your hands and saying I don't know there's good days and there's bad days um, right. I, I think it's really wonderful. I think that we're, um, creating a feeling throughout the diabetes world. That's going to help people in the future. It might not help you right. as much as it's going to help someone else, but I got, you know, it's funny. It's not a note, but somebody posted this on social media the other day, and I'm not going to put their comments in like, their name into it, but I want to tell you like how amazing I thought this was. This person is relaying that their child, a 13-year-old who's only been diagnosed for 4 weeks, listens to the podcast with their parents, went into the doctor 4 weeks later, advocated uh-huh. for themselves for a pump, explained wow. explained that she wanted to use extended boluses, she tried it with MDI, showed her doctor how she tried it, explained that she wants to do temp basal adjustments in the anticipation of exercise and activity and started rattling off everything she learned from the pro tip episodes. Wow. And and even rolled in with her Omnipod demo that she got (laughs) through the podcast and persuaded the endo to approve the pump at the next appointment. And that's awesome. And that endo normally makes you wake six months. And that's from these episodes. And so I imagine not just the happiness for that child that's coming, but that maybe now the doctor's like, huh? Why am I waiting? You know what I mean. Right. Why am I making people wait? Couldn't I just do this with them? Right. That, that's exciting for me, and it's so it's everyone's desire to do better, and then your willingness to say it when you get to the doctor's office. It's, it's
1: well, and maybe you know. even from that doctor's perspective, maybe you know this person obviously went in and said, "Hey, I've learned all of this from this one place." Maybe the doctor now has a reference to say, "Hey." You know, if you want a little bit more, and you come back to me knowledgeable enough and can say, "Hey, this is what I know now. This is what I want to be able to use. Why I want to be able to use it." Again, I think a lot of clinicians are just conservative because they're, they're worried, yeah. right? They're they're conservative. For many reasons, but I think worry is a big one and they want some outcomes showing, yes, my patient is now ready for this. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think, again, with the technology we have today, I think people are more ready earlier mm-hmm. <laughs> than they may have been years ago. Um, so and yeah. I don't
0: think that I don't think that people should make the mistake that this is some special girl. Do you know what no. I mean? Like, she. Seriously, it's it's it sounds self-aggrandizing. I really don't mean it to be. She just listened to these seventeen or eighteen protip episodes, and right. l- in four weeks, look where she is. And, and and I don't know that everybody could be, but I think my experiences are that a lot of people are, and so that it's possible. I'm in my right. heart. I hope right now that doctor is listening to this, going, "Well, that sounds like something that happened." To like I hope he went and was like, "I wonder what that kid listened to." You, right. You, you know, right. Like, like that's what I want. I want everybody to be healthier and easier and and less encumbered and anxious and all the crap that comes with having diabetes. So Jenny, I, I wanted you to hear that. Thank you.
1: Yeah, no and I think that's a good cumulative of kind of I mean my overall when I had set out going to college knowing what I wanted to go to school for and eventually what I wanted to become just it was a very it was a very like general I want to become a diabetes educator because I had had really awesome educators as a kid myself Mm -hmm. but I never like I didn't have a broad like idea of what I really wanted I just wanted I knew I wanted to be able to share what I knew with people and I wanted it to make a difference like it made a difference for me when I was younger you know and didn't have the technology or anything that we have today right so you know in what I get to do every day that's I, I love it, but what I like more is that I love this connection that I've, that I've had because of you, because of the podcast and the, and what you've put together. Um, I feel like I reach so many more people than just the individual people that I get to work with Mm -hmm. every day. You know, I feel like kind of, especially these pro tips, what we've put together, it's just able to reach so many more people in a way that's it's free. Yeah. It's. You know, no, it's know. great.
0: And I'm, thank you. I, you made me, I felt like little butterflies and I looked Aww. away, from, I looked away from Jenny while she was talking. I got embarrassed. I'm now embarrassed that I couldn't keep looking at her through a video screen while she was saying something nice. I need therapy. Uh, anyway, um, thank you. I. I it's, yeah. It really is terrific. It would obviously not be the same without you. So I really appreciate oh. it. Well, cool. All okay. right. Well, we Yay. did a good job here. I'm going to let awesome. you go back to your life, which is probably just talking to somebody else about diabetes in a second.
1: Actually, it will be. My husband went off to work and my my kids are um, hanging out watching. In the house. And they're, <laughs> they're watching. I think they're watching Dino Dan right now. And I could hear my little man um, outside the door. He's like, Mommy, I want a snack. I'm like, okay, I'll be there in a minute. Go We're doing important
0: right work. Go back to what you're doing. <laughs>
1: All right.
0: We'll go take care of him. And thank anyway, you very much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great weekend. You too.
1: Bye. Thanks.
0: All of the episodes that include the words Diabetes Pro Tip in their title are available right here in your podcast player or at DiabetesProTip.com. The next pro tip will be out pretty soon. It's all about pregnancy with type 1 diabetes. Thanks so much to Dexcom, Omnipod, and the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter for sponsoring this episode of the show. Go to contournextone.com to see if you're eligible for a free meter. And if you're not, check with your doctor about moving up, right? You've been driving that old car too long. You deserve something new. Contour Next One. If you'd like a free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to your house, well, you sound like the kind of person who's ready to go to tubeless insulin pumping. I know what you're thinking. Insulin pumps don't have tubes? Well, the Omnipod doesn't. The rest of them do, but the Omnipod doesn't. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. No obligation, free demo gets sent right to you. Takes three minutes to make happen at that web address. And of course, the continuous glucose monitor that has fallen from the heavens, the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Check it out at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. If you have not listened to all of the ProTip episodes, I implore you to do so. Seriously, go back to episode 210 or find them at diabetesprotip.com. I think you're going to really like them. And I think they're going to make a really big difference in your life with type 1 diabetes. If you've already listened to all of those episodes and you want more Jenny, find the Defining Diabetes episodes and ask Scott and Jenny. There's more good Jenny goodness out there. You can find it. I want to thank you for listening. And if you're a person who has shared the show with someone else, you have my gratitude. It is how the
1: show grows, and I very much appreciate your time and effort. I will talk to you all soon.